three and a half months, 14 and a bit weeks, 101 days or close to 9 million seconds. That's how long it is until this year's general election. And you can bet National Leader Christopher Luxon will be counting every single one of those nearly 9 million seconds with almost every poll predicting a slightly different but very tight outcome. National's making a lot out of the slogan, get New Zealand back on track. But what does that actually mean and how does the party plan to go about it? National Leader Christopher Luxon is with us now to discuss all of that. Kia ora, Christopher, how are you going? Kia ora, great to be with you guys. Looking forward to our time together. So how is New Zealand off track? Well, look, I think as you walk around the country, you know, people are saying, you know, things aren't working like they used to work. And so whether it's our economy, we're now in recession, one of only a couple of countries in the OECD to be so, but people are feeling it, right? They, they feel the cost of living's got out of control. They can't get ahead no matter how hard they work. Their money doesn't buy what it used to buy. Uh, people are really worried about law and order, don't feel safe in their own homes, their businesses, their communities. We have an education system, frankly, where we, you know, 40% of our kids don't go to school regularly. Uh, and our actual academic achievement has slipped against other countries. And we have a healthcare system with outstanding doctors and nurses in it, but the system is letting people down and it's every single health outcome or result has gone backwards um, on wait list times for emergency departments, surgeries, specialist appointments, immunizations. So that's the reality of, of where we are. And that's what people are saying, look, we've lost our way. We've gone backwards. Uh, and actually what I want to do is make sure we get New Zealand back on track. And that means fixing those things. When were things on track? Well, I think yeah, people have got a sense of it. Over the last six years, they feel that you know we have actually gone off track as want. Uh, as I said, because the economy is going backwards, you know, law and order, crime, uh, education, health. Uh, those are things that, you know, if you think about it, even in the previous national government, we had much better health outcomes. We had much better. So is it seven years outcomes. ago? Seven years ago was the last time we were on track. Well, I think, that, I think there's always work to do, right? I mean, you're never perfect. Every No country's perfect. And the job of each political generation and leadership is to keep perfecting the country and to keep making it even better than it was before. And that's why I've come to politics two, two and so years ago, because that's what I want to do. I want to actually solve the problems. I want to get results. I want to improve people's daily lives. Uh, and I want New Zealand to realise its potential. So yeah, that's the job of every generation of political leadership is to improve it on the one uh, you know, from what I've got passed off in an inheritance. You listed off a, a range of things there, but what do you think is the one biggest thing affecting New Zealand right now and the one biggest thing that New Zealanders care about? The single biggest thing by a huge factor is the cost of living crisis that people are experiencing. It's real, right? I mean, I've spoken to families and parents actually that are actually saying they're skipping meals because they can't afford food. You know, I've spoken to I've sat in and budgeting services with families that are risking losing their home because they've been defaulting their mortgages. They've got to find $700 a fortnight and they're cancelling kids' sports activities uh, and swimming lessons to be able to do that. <clears throat> you know, that, that's the reality of it. Half of New Zealanders now worry about money on a daily basis. You know, 430,000 of us are behind on our debt payments and people, and, and we're now in a recession, which means the economy is shrinking. So, you know, we have a, a pattern of, of economics that we haven't seen for a very, very long period of time where we have high inflation, high interest rates, a shrinking economy, and then the, the next thing that happens in economics is that you get rising unemployment, and that's a whole new level of pain and suffering for New Zealanders. So, yeah, that is the single biggest thing. My job, a number one task, is to fix the economy, to reduce the cost of living, and to grow it again. At your uh, party conference, you launched a policy promising tougher criminal sentences, but at the time, at least, it didn't appear that you'd 
costed that policy out and a journalist asked you how much it would cost and then why it hadn't been costed and you, you chastised the journalist a little bit. But one of your main attack lines against Labour is about wasteful spending and you say the cost of living and ma- money management is the most important thing right now, but then you launch a policy that you can't quite say how much it will cost. It just doesn't quite make sense to me. Well, let's be clear that the number one priority for New Zealanders is economics and it's cost of living. Number two priority is law and order. Number three is education and health and is, is three and four. So they are the big four issues that Kiwis are really fixated and focused on. So our conference was day one talking about the economy, day two talking about law and order. Uh, what we're saying really clearly on law and order is, you know, we're in a perverse situation. It's absolutely insane. You know, this is a government that has one justice target, which is a 30% reduction in the prison population. And I would love that. I really want less prisoners if there's less crime, but there's not. Violent crime, you know, hugely 33% increase in violent crime, 100% of retail crime. And I spend time, you know, most weeks seeing victims of crime. And I can tell you, you know, this isn't, this doesn't happen in Australia. It doesn't happen in Canada for those retailers that have businesses in those places, but it's happening here in New Zealand. But have you costed that policy now? Yeah, what we've said very clearly is, look, it's really difficult to cost precisely, you know, um, social justice policy, as we've seen, you know, as this government struggle with. What we're saying is that there is um, very much a heap of capacity in the prison system. We've had a 20% reduction in the prison population in the last six years. So there's plenty of space there. The second thing is that there is actually $850 million of extra spending that's gone into corrections, uh, and there's plenty of money there. And frankly, if we need more, we will actually fund it from future budgets. But cost is but not one the of your main critiques, Mr. Luxon. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but one of your main critiques of the government at the moment is wasteful spending. Shouldn't you be able to point to your spending and say this is how much it will cost? Yeah. Considering that is one of your main criticisms, and I'm telling you exactly how we're going to do it. If there is more prisoners, well, you're telling us how difficult it is to cost. No, no, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it is difficult to cost and model precisely. But what I'm saying to you is the two big considerations are. If we're going to have more prisoners with longer sentences, is there capacity in the prisons? Absolutely. Is there a whole amount of fixed cost there that actually means that the cost of an incremental prisoner doesn't mean you know, that it's, it's through the roof or it's, it's crazy expensive? Uh, and the second thing is Corrections Today has a budget that's $850 million more with 20% less prisoners than it had just six years ago. And so there's capacity there. We continue to support the investment in the 581 corrections officers. Uh, and frankly, we think we can fund a lot of it from within that. And if we have to, we'll fund it out of future budgets. But be under no illusion, you know, when people don't feel safe and when you have a 33% increase in violent crime, you have a 66% growth in gang membership, and you have a ram raid every 15 hours in New Zealand. This is New Zealand. We're supposed to be a first world country that's safe and people feel safe, and they don't. And so, um, frankly, the prison population, the cost associated with that, um, we we will we will deal with that. It, it, let's stick to crime. We spoke to Paul Goldsmith about your gang policy that was recently announced, uh, the gang membership being an aggravating factor in any criminal charges. Uh, he all but admitted there was no empirical evidence for the effectiveness of that policy. Are you playing in the space of uh, tough on crime as sort of a populist rhetoric talking point to win votes here? Absolutely not. I think you've got to understand, you know, go, you know, I've spoken to retailers that have operations in Australia and Canada, larger operations, and they have had every single store hit here in New Zealand, but not in any of those other places. You know, we have, as I said, violent crimes up 33%. It's it's a huge increase. Retail crimes up 100%. Yeah, you know, I've been and visited, you know, go, go talk to the supermarkets, talk to the jewellers, talk to any retail, talk to dairy owners. 
uh, it's it's real, it's happening. People are not feeling safe. So the question is, the message is being very clear from this government. They're soft on crime. They've sent a message to say anything's permissible. Ultimately, they're only interested in one goal, and they're not. They don't have any targets about reducing crime. The only one they've got is reducing prisoners. So I'm, I make no apologies for it. We are going to back the police. We're going to go after the gangs, and that is a series of things, as you've heard. We're going to ban gang patches. We're going to give the police dispersal powers, give them anti-consorting powers, warrant the search powers, make gang membership an aggravating offence. We are going to deal with serious young offenders um, because they're causing huge pain and suffering across the piece. Give the tools that are available to the courts, serious young offender category, youth military academies, make sure that any filming or broadcasting of RAM raids, which are then put up online, is actually an aggravating factor as well. We have to get that setting right. Now, it's not in the old, any consequence to say we still have to work on the causes of crime. Very much, that's very much the case, and that's where our social investment thinking comes in. But you can't. You've got to have both ends of that. You can't just be all carrots and no stick. You've actually got to have a combination. And you know the stick works. You've got evidence that the stick works. Well, telling you what's not working today is what the hang this government's been doing for the last. What's not year, working right? is different to what not does working work, at though, all, right? It's not working at all, is it? I mean, how on earth do you let a country? go to 30, have a ram rate happening every 15 hours. I mean, we never had this in New Zealand. How do you have violent crime up 33%? How do you have more gang members in five of our police districts? How do we have 8,500 gang members, 10,200 frontline police officers? Um, you know, th- those, are, those are things that this government has allowed to happen. Uh, let's pivot now to a bit of coalition chat. How worried are you about the level of ACTS polling and how that might shift the balance when it comes to uh, coalition talks if it comes to that? Oh, look, I'm not really focused on any of that, I have to be honest. I mean, my job over the last 18 months has been to turn the National Party around, um, which is job number one. Job number two has been to play our job as the opposition and, and to hold the government to account, which is we did you know, through most of last year, I think, very well, focusing on these issues around the economy, crime, education and health. Uh, and then this year has been all about making sure we lay up our vision and also our more importantly, our proposals for how we take the country forward and with common sense, practical policy. So, you know, we're very laser focused on October the 14th and making sure we do the very best of what we can do uh, to make our case to the New Zealand people as to why they should give their party vote to national. Um, The rest of it will sort out. So you don't think about ACT at all? I'm focused on maximising the National Party party vote. That's extremely what I'm focused on. If I think about where we started from just 18 months ago, where we are today, with our own internal polling, um, you know, we've made tremendous progress and we're in good shape. Uh, but there's there's more to do. I want to push on. I want to make sure New Zealanders understand what's at risk at this election uh, and that it is a really defining moment in our history. Do you think you've turned the National Party around? I think we've made tremendous progress. You know, I think about the party that I inherited 18 months ago. I think about, um, you know, we've renewed our party structures. We've got really strong unity and good teamwork happening within our caucus. Um, we've got the right people on the right assignments linked up to their passions about what they're interested in. Mark Mitchell, police, Shane Retty on health, you know, Matt Ducey on mental health. Um, you know, we've got some great examples of, of, of where we've got that team working well. And I think we've focused our, our own conversation around the things that matter for New Zealanders. You know, there's no doubt about it. You know, cost of living number one by a long way, law and order, education and health. Uh, and I think as you've seen from us, we've had 20 practical policies in each of those spaces that are just uh, our solutions of how we would practically and pragmatically move this thing forward and solve problems that we've got. Labor's had a pretty wild and sometimes disastrous time these last six months, disastrous referring to ministers seemingly constantly under fire. And yet in, in recent polling, the National Party doesn't seem to be getting a boost from any of that. Why hasn't your party been able to capitalise 
on the last six months for Labour? Well, look, I think it's been pretty positive. I mean, over the last six months, there's been a, a pathway for a national-led government, um, and that's been pretty clear, and it's been pretty startling progress from where we were 18 months ago. Our own internal polling is um, positive, and we're really happy with the trajectory of where we're going with all of that, um, and, we're con- and we're very positive that we're talking about the right issues. So, you know, uh, honestly, you know, I, I, I see lots of polls come and go. I, we have our own internal approach to how we look at all of that data. Um, but what I'd say to you is the only poll that matters is October the 14th. That's the one that we're really fixated on. And it, frankly, if I listen to what commentators were saying about us 18 months ago, 12 months ago, six months ago, um, yeah, I'm not really that interested. I'm focused on what we need to be focused on, which is winning on October the 14th and then having a plan to get the country sorted and turned around fast. I mean, one way of reading the polls, Chris, is that you know people do want change, but they don't want you. You know, you, you've never once beaten your Labour counterpart and preferred Prime Minister stakes. Uh, the national is resonating. Christopher Luxon, the brand, isn't. Are you holding the party back here? Look, I disagree. I think for any leader of the opposition, go back through a history of polls over the last 30 years, and it's really challenging. You don't get the same opportunity, the same oxygen, the same airtime. And that's what's great about a campaign is we get the chance to do that. You know, I also recognise I've come through incredibly quickly. I'll be the you know, the fastest person to get to the leadership of a political party probably in New Zealand politics. And so you know, people know what I've done, they know my background, but they're still learning to get to know who I am. And that's why we're out and about doing these tours, because you know, while sometimes the opportunities in a media sense may be more limited, understandably, as, as on the opposition side, uh, actually when we get out and talk with people in town halls, uh, that's going incredibly well. So we're really comfortable, I'm, I'm comfortable with it and, and we're comfortable with it as a party about the progress we're making in the direction of travel. Talk to us a bit about transferring the way you'd work and run a big company to working in a political sphere and running the major opposition party. Yeah, look, I think you know, a big part of what we've done is you know, a lot of the leadership experience that you get outside of politics and my background is, I think, incredibly transferable into political life. Um, you know, you spend all your time in other organisations building great teams uh, and making sure that executive group really function well together, are complementary, uh, and, um, and and are really driven about the mission and the goal of what we're trying to achieve. And so, you know, basically the thinking that I've brought along is, you know, we're, politics is a team sport. Yes, I play first five and captain, but I can't be the winner or the prop. Uh, you know, I actually used a team um, to actually to, to get a better result. And so we've built a great team. You know, I honestly think we have. And, and you think about it's with the same team that was probably, um, you know, not operating optimally before. So, you know, I'm really proud of our people and our team and our effort. Um, that part's normal. I, I think I've tried to set really clear expectations within the team. And, you know, I meet with the MPs typically every six months for sort of performance reviews. Uh, as to how they're going, uh, what I'm hoping they're working on, but also how they're going about doing that job. Um, I'm a big believer in externally, you know, getting out and engaging with real people and whether that's the sectors. So, you know, a lot of how our MPs are measured is how they're engaging and as they develop policy in conversation with those that are in the different business sectors or community sectors. Um, So I think, you know, that's, and we're just bringing discipline, you know, a temperament where we take our job really seriously, but we have a lot of fun along the way. We don't take ourselves that seriously. Uh, and we play as a team. And I think in politics, that's a very different model, you know, because political life tends to be quite individualistic, quite ego-driven. There's not a lot of professional or personal development, people's own individual leadership development. Um, and those are the kinds of conversations they're trying to move this group forward with. You mentioned that you get the perception that people are still getting to know you. Uh, one thing that is uh, that, that pretty much everybody knows about you is that you're rich. And given that we are in a cost of living crisis, that this is the number one issue for New Zealanders at the moment, do you think that 
is a barrier of sorts for voters, through no fault of your own, but a barrier of sorts that voters have to get through to relate to you? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, my story is pretty simple. I had parents who left school at 15, 16. You know, um, they had me young. I'm, I'm the oldest of three boys. Um, I had a great Kiwi upbringing um, and I did well in the world. You know, no doubt about it. I was the first in my family ever to go to university. I worked really hard and I was successful. And, um, you know, and I've come back into this job because I'm choosing to actually want to go to work on the problems that we've got. I could do lots of other things for sure. But I actually want to do this job because I want New Zealand to realise its potential. I see, I talk to to people up and down New Zealand every day, you know, and I've I've sat in budgeting sessions where people are trying to work out how they keep their own homes. Uh, you know, it's incredibly tough. I've spoken to parents who are skipping meals because they can't afford food. And that's why I'm so frustrated with this government, because if you cared about people, you have good economic management. Because when you don't, you cause huge amounts of pain and suffering on a scale we we haven't seen for 35 years in New Zealand. You know, it's not right that this government spent 80% more on government spending, drove domestic inflation up, caused interest rates to rise, which started the recession and creates a risk of rising unemployment. That didn't have to be this way. Uh, and you might remember even when I first became leader 18 months ago saying, hey, listen, there are amber lights on the economic dashboard. It's going to cause huge pain and suffering if you don't get inflation gripped up fast because the consequences are really clear as to what happens next. And it gets uglier and more painful for people down the road. So uh, I think I'm in I'm in touch deeply with what's going on across this country. I also resent a little bit, frankly, the fact that the accusation that you know someone successful can't come to Parliament because you know you've got you know that's not right. And I and I just think you know when you've got something to offer and you think you've got something to offer, we want people from all walks of life and all perspectives and experiences to be able to come into Parliament and, and to and to make a contribution. So yeah, that's how I feel about it. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. John Key famously had that guy people would have a beer with vibe to him. Jacinda Ardern had that kindness brand. Chris Hipkins leans into Guy from the Hut who likes saucy rolls. What's that <laughs> snappy punchline vibe that people you want people to think when they think of Chris Luxon? Oh, just a guy that's going to get things sorted for you. Do you know what I mean? And make your life easier. Do you know what I mean? I've got... Yeah, that's really what it is. I just want to get things sorted for people. You know, I just think it's really unfair that... that Come you know, on. A lot well, that's not saucy rolls in the hut. What's your saucy rolls in the hut? Well, I, you, you've got to be yourself, right? And and so the point for me is, yeah, I mean, I can talk about mince pies and custard squares as much as you like <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. But actually, yeah. you know, the reality is people are beyond that. People actually want... You know, people are really hurting. You know, they are really hurting. They They feel the country's going backwards and they do need it to be sorted. And they want to know that they've got someone who cares about people. Yeah, you know, I'm a big extrovert. I love people. You know, the reason I've done a lot of the jobs I've done and the way I've gone about doing them is because I build great teams, build great culture, take people with us, and um, that's what it's all about. We need to find you a bakery item to identify with. It is mince pies and custard squares, just so you know. <laughs> Good. What about, and not to get too pointy-headed on it, but like, what about ideologically? In terms of your political ideology, like who do you admire? Who who do you model your political ideology or, or or your style after? Well, no one really. I mean, I'm I'm me and I'm myself. But having said that, there have been politicians that I've admired from all political spectrums, and I and I get less hung up on the labels of left and right. Frankly, I'm just interested in solving problems, and so. 
you know, that's that's really my motivation. I think I'm a pretty. Um, so who, who who are some who is I, I understand your point around not wanting to get hung up on labels, but yeah, like I really respected Madeleine Albright. I obviously, um, you know, met Obama and brought him to New Zealand, and you know, a pre, you know I may not agree with all his politics, but I I like the way he carried himself through the job and and with grace and with humility. Um, I've you know, obviously, you know, admired John Key and thought he did a great job, you know, at that time in, in New Zealand leading us through the GFC and through the Canberra earthquakes and all those things. So there's pieces of leaders that I've met all around the world uh, that I um, have, you know, Leo Varadkar in Ireland, someone that I really respect a lot as well, you know, who's done an incredibly good job, you know, um, as a centrist, uh, centre-right sort of politician and um, for want of those words, which I don't find particularly helpful, frankly, uh, at the moment, I think. Yeah, because because I, I don't think you know if, if when I'm in the when I lived in the US, it's a very polarized kind of world. But you know, I find those labels unhelpful. What I find helpful is: Are we going forwards or are we going backwards? Are we solving problems? Are we realizing opportunities? Um, are we getting things done? Is daily life improving for Kiwis? Um, those are the things that I'm interested in. Why should young New Zealanders vote? national well the amazing thing is we're getting huge numbers of young people coming back into uh, the national party in fact there have been times when we're you know two or three points ahead of labor on young people as well and that's because at the end of the day they feel they've been um let down i mean they've gone off got a trade they've worked incredibly hard they're working hard they're saving hard they still can't buy a house they can't see a pathway for why they want to start a business and take a risk and do something here and take a mortgage out on their home to start that business and they feel like they're working hard, but they can't get ahead. And as a result, actually, economic management has become a critical issue for them. Uh, and as a result, that's why they've been coming back, you know, coming back to our party in, in big numbers since we made the leadership change as well. So, you know, I think we've made uh, good progress there. But for young people, it is about, is this a place that I've got opportunity? Uh, am I choosing to go overseas because it's an opportunity for an overseas experience? Or am I choosing because actually I just don't see that there's a future here for me? And I don't want it to be the latter. My job as Prime Minister is to build out a country where young people feel I can make a contribution community, I can raise a family, I can start a business, uh, I can do anything I want to from New Zealand. And if I work hard, I can get ahead. And at the moment, they don't feel that contract is, is being lived up to. Interesting to hear you talk about the idea of taking a risk, particularly in, in, in business. Um, because a perception that I've heard a lot about this election is that neither of the main parties seem prepared to take risks they are petrified of losing votes and so the innovative policy ideas are coming from the green party the act party the parties on on the fringes what do you think about that 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 idea that um this will be an election characterized by not wanting to lose votes rather than being bold to win them. Yeah, I don't feel that's our position in the National Party at all. You know, I think we're being really clear. I mean, to be honest, Emil, the, the thing I've observed in my two and a half years in, in government or parliament is that there's a lot of solutions or ideology often going roaming around looking to attach to a problem. And in my world, you come from a place where you define the problem really up front and then you actually put the solutions in place to deal with that problem. So let's take education, for example. Well, the government's put $5 billion more in. It's hired 1,400 more public servants. And yet we've got worse attendance and worse academic achievement. And the results are really startling. So the first thing is, it's not to, not to scare everyone, but the reality is you've got to define the problem. Well, the problem is half our kids show up at high school not at the expectation they are. Half of them fail the most basic maths reading and writing test at 15. And New Zealand is now out of the top 10 countries in the world on maths reading and science. 
So problem, how do we sort that out? Because that's a big social problem for sure, but it's an even bigger economic problem if we can't access higher paying jobs and wages for New Zealanders through greater education. So then you put the solution in place. And I think we've been really bold and brave saying, look, the reality of it is you've got to be able to teach the basics brilliantly. Our maths, our reading, our writing every day. A curriculum well-defined as to teacher-instructed, concepts-driven, every year well-defined curriculum, monitoring every six months so that if a child needs help, support, we can get that to them. If they need extension, we can get that to them. Uh, and making sure our teachers feel confident teaching the basics well. Well, that it may not be... That, you know, for, for you, you suddenly go, but there's a big problem. And, either, and otherwise, we end up just talking about stuff that's not linked to a problem at all. And as a result, things don't improve for the New Zealand people. And so I want to know that every kid's got a shot like I had going to a good education system to be able to make something of myself as a result. So yeah, that's what's important, I think, is, is good problem definition and then good practical policy that helps solve problems for people. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. couple of quick questions. Would you ever do a deal with the Opportunities Party to try bring them into Parliament? Uh, no, we're not going to do deals with any political party. We're going to focus very much on maximising our party vote. And whether there's party votes in red seats or blue seats, everything's about a party vote because it changes governments and it shapes governments. What's one policy from National 1? that would make a difference to New Zealanders right now? Uh, education, getting kids back to basics and teaching them maths, reading and writing really well. And are there any policies on the other side that you think are good ideas? Um, actually, I've been really um, supportive of the efforts around building the apprenticeship program out on the edu- in the education space. I think that's been a, a positive um, policy for, for people. How about electoral reform? 16-year-old voting, four-year terms, uh, caps on, on on donations to political parties. What do you think about these ideas? Um, well, they're all sort of mixed. I mean, um, on 16, you've got to draw the line somewhere. For me, it's 18. Um, I can't really see, you know, you, there's pros and cons. I get it for, for ages. Some are 16, some are 18, some are 20 around the world, but 18 feels about right. On four-year terms, something that I personally have some interest in, but again, there's a whole bunch of constitutional considerations to think through there. And what was the last one? On, on, on donation caps. Look, I think the current system works well. I mean, um, well, I suppose you would, wouldn't you? Well, no, no, but I mean it. But the reality is, you know, it's it's declared, it's open. Um, you know, the rules are really clear. And with it, you know, as you've seen with the National Party, we've had certainly we've had you know large donors, which has been great. But we've also had record numbers of small donors. You know, giving us one hundred and twenty dollars, one hundred and fifty dollars. You know, because they want to change the government as well. So you know, that support or that that financial support is just purely a function of people's. Um, you know, um, wanting to change governments and you know, uh, when they think you've got good ideas and good policies, they get them behind you and support you. If you could say one thing to Chris Hipkins, what would it be? Uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, hand, hand it over October the 14th, mate, and, and, and we'll get it sorted for you. Um, but no, look, I mean, yeah, I, I have I respect anyone who does that job, you know, really. It's a really extreme and a really tough job. And so I have respect for Chris Hipkins. I disagree strongly with how he's going about the job and, and actually the results that he's achieving for the New Zealand people. 
Um, but you know, it's not personal. It's just that I I think you know there are better ways to run this country and to be able to to make it go forward to help people in their daily lives. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. We really appreciate your time. That was super interesting. Great to get clarification on some of those uh, issues. And hopefully we'll catch up with you again uh, over the next 103 days or so, Christopher Luxon. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Avil. Thanks, Avil. Really nice to be with you. Appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Newsable. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Emil Donovan. And if you liked what you heard, good news. We make new episodes every weekday and Saturdays as well, but not Sundays because... We need a rest. Not Sundays. Uh, so if you want those, hop into your favourite podcast player and give us a follow. You will get some piping hot, newsable goodness delivered right to your phone without having to lift a finger. We're also on social media. You can find us on TikTok or Instagram at NewsableNZ. And you can also email us, email us anything, recipe ideas, story ideas, your morning's thoughts. Newsable at staff.co.nz is the email address. For now, though, thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon. Don't know why I said recipes. Yeah, I was wondering where I was wondering where you were going with that. Yeah, well, I still don't know. I was like, is she just gonna get wild here? You know? Ooh, quirky. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz slash support. Hey, Chris. Yes. Do you want another very broad question? I've got a very broad question today. Go on, then. What do you know about sports? Up the wires, go the Black Caps, and don't forget Premier League football. Oh, you do love a bit of Premier League footage, do. don't you? What team is it that you support again? Oh, the current champions, Manchester City. I think they're pronounced Arsenal. It's pronounced Arsenal. Uh, but you know what's good about football? It what? They don't regulate soccer. I'm sorry. There's a sport that regulates soccer? Indeed there is, and it's cycling. That's very strange. Why on earth do they regulate it? Well, I know, but if you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the Big Stuff Quiz, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, that's a cliffhanger indeed. The Big Stuff Quiz is brought to you by Melbourne Every Bit Different. <laughs>